Hello everyone and welcome back to series two, episode five of the Thrive Physiotherapy Podcast with myself, uh, Matt McDermott. And me, Liam Bill. We're putting down an episode to welcome everyone back from our little mid-season break. So it's a, a happy new year to you, Matt. A little bit late, but good to catch up finally. Yeah, it seems weird to say, but happy new year. Great, great to be back again. And um, in tricky circumstances, um, with some cheery news from Boris and Co to start off the year. At least yeah. the weather outside is, is nice at the minute. Makes yeah. it a bit easier stomach. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... Um... Feel like we we cursed it when we when we started off the series with an episode like this with just us two and taking a few questions and putting ourselves back out there. Uh, we we were in a much more promising pace, so it's uh, it's hard times. How is how is work for you in these in these difficult times again? Yeah, I, I can't complain too much. Um, it's uh, it's it's always different, and and each day we're having to change and adapt. But I'm sure it's not different to anyone else out there. And our role at the minute, just sort of uh, in a, the private sector, trying to help the NHS out a little bit more with capacity, uh, which poses mm. a few challenges here and there. But definitely keep feeling my toes. How about yourself? How's work for you? Yeah, um, I'd say I'm probably in the privileged position of still being able to work. Um, I think it's a debatable one, which we won't get into too much, whether elite sport should be continuing, but we are allowed to. I suppose ultimately our athletes are are paid at the level that I'm working at currently so they are they've been deemed as allowed to carry on which it's good it's good to get in it's good to work with the boys still it's much better than sitting at home but obviously it comes with its uh, ethical issues of is it essential with how bad things are and like you say you aim to help the NHS out we're we're kind of working well away from them and just in a in an own little weird sporting bubble where things just sort of carry on obviously with lots of social distancing and and rules in place to try and avoid any issues um but yeah it's uh it's been it's been tough it's been different it's been uh, it's the strictest it's been and rightly so but um yeah definitely an ethical conundrum but we won't we won't touch on that too much because i think we've just got to look at it as privilege for it to carry on obviously people are generally enjoying watching their sport on the telly still which is a good thing as long as we're not having too much of an effect on cases and bits like that i suppose yeah, I think I think it's a it's a tricky one to unpick, and um, let's say that's a, it's probably for another discussion. But the 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 privilege there, and it's it's looking as you say about learning, and it's learning in all in all settings of healthcare from last time, from last year, from a few months ago, and and adapting to change, um, and hopefully for the for the better, and putting safer and uh, better practices in place as as we move forwards. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's it's like pertinent to say, obviously, working with athletes in the COVID environment, we do have some protocols in place if they do get it. Um, I don't know if pe- too many people are aware, but it's worth lo- looking up if you are working with people who have had it and they're at the level that sort of, they're a bit younger, they're athletes um, and returning them to play because there has been some associated cardiac risks. So we've had our docs of been very good to put in some protocols that are a bit like a graduated return to play kind of probably most liken it to the concussion one um obviously it's different in the sense of the actual disease or illness or however you want to refer to it but it's been interesting referring um returning athletes to play from some of those so if you uh if you do get a chance to look at it just to signpost that one but i think that's where uh, 
we'll leave the COVID talk there and just give you a little bit of time we'll move on from that. But yeah, we've had some some great feedback over the break. So the Lewis Kinsella episode was the last one. Um, some really good feedback about his honesty, his openness, as we get with all of our guests. And just um, how sort of succinct and to the point he was really, how how honest he was with with his opinions. And yeah, I, I guess it was it was really enjoyable and an honour to, to hear him, Matt. Yeah, I always love uh, when we get the opportunity to chat to players and to chat to athletes. And again, the sort of, to say privilege again, of being able to do that. Um, is one being able to talk to them and get sort of quite guarded answers and uh, not really take too much from it. But it's another thing to for someone to uh, divulge as as, as much as uh, as Lewis did. Um, I mentioned it previously at the, at the end of the episode to hear sort of common themes as well with other other mm. players we chatted to, like Alex Tudor, is is always yeah. really refreshing. Um, and even from my my own practice and my own point of view, a few things that I'm taking from that discussion uh, and I've already put into play, um, which as you as the years go on in your career, um, it's it's always useful to be able to do that to reflect back and, and change based on yeah, learning and, and and feedback, particularly from the the people we look after and the people we treat. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad other people are taking those sort of things as well and we really appreciate you getting in touch with us and giving us feedback whether that's usually through dms on instagram and twitter but a few emails and a few people checking out the website as well so we appreciate that keep it coming we like to we like to hear and and off the back of that we've we've gone and sort of looked out for a few more uh athlete slash physio guests coming up which is exciting so should hear from um ellie richardson in the next few episodes um, who was a former GB cyclist turned physio, which should be a really interesting one. I'm really looking forward to that just to get both sides of the coin and seeing if there's any different opinions. I'm sure you're getting your questions lined up, Matt, already. Indeed. Um, but that'll be good. And yeah, we've also got um, Adrian Mallows on who we'll chat about in in a little bit. He'll be on the next episode, but we'll we'll get into our listener questions first, which is sort of the main point of this to get us back into the swing of things and answer some of your questions so we've picked three because we went on and on and on last time so we've whittled it down we'll be we'll be short and sharp but we've got three um i'm gonna put the first one to you now matt if that's all right if you're ready we'll put you back Um, on first ready to go ready to go question that we probably ask quite similar but we get um we get a lot of different themes too i suppose it's it's interesting to put the main one but basically what is the main requirement to get into elite sport? So I suppose we ask, you know, what do you think the number one thing is? From our opinion, what is the main requirement? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic question. And um, I'll, I'll try and talk around it a little bit while I'm trying to think of a good answer in my head. <laughs> so uh, definitely uh, directing listeners to our summaries uh, of uh, the similar key question that you mentioned from season one. Yeah. Um, so some great answers from some of our uh, amazing guests from season one. Um, for me, it comes down to uh sort of what you're getting into physiotherapy for um which seems like a a bit of a cop-out answer um 
but it's the difference between uh, going down the more rehab uh, diagnosis and uh, route of sort of high pressure environments or whether you're going for the uh, multidisciplinary, the uh, sort of more biopsychosocial uh, type routes uh, that you may get in other settings. And it's not uh, giving clear differences between the two because obviously you have your MDD involvement in your sporting setting and obviously every biopsychosocial uh, element in your sporting setting and equally your rehab and your high pressure comes into the NHS setting as well. But I say it's, it comes down to the desire of what you come into the profession for and what you're looking to get out of it. Um, your willingness to learn, um, your uh, sort of proactivity. Um, it's difficult because as I'm saying this, all of the attributes I'm listing are not, are not specific to the, the sporting environment or, or the NHS environment. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Liam, in terms of if, 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 if you had to pick one, what 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 would it be yeah i'm gonna go dance around it as well and just just reflect on your point while i'm i'm still thinking of a better one than you've given which is one of the main ones we talk about when we go on our lectures and it's it's almost like giving people a little bit of a pre-warning that look this might this lecture might not be for you about working in sport you might think what's the point in this and you might decide by the end of it that some of the sort of descriptions we're given of the environment you may be thinking you know this isn't for me but from what you take from the rehab that we do and the work that we do, it is applicable across the board. So I think it's a really important point. It's one that we make that, yeah, it might not mean you get a career in it, but it's something we try and advocate a lot, isn't it? Especially online and a few of like the physio talks we've done is, is the importance of what you can pick up as a skill, as a sports physiotherapist and working at that level of rehab should be applicable across the board and it should be what people are aspiring to. And it's not that, oh, that isn't appropriate for me. It's, it's across the board, but yeah, a little... A little side check side check there um away from my key one what would i put at the top without trying to repeat what other people put in i would probably i'd probably have to say if we're looking at an actual requirement it's not necessarily a skill a requirement it, it is that experience and it it ties into ties into one of the next questions which i'll sort of link it together but the requirement that you have an experience or an appreciation of that environment so this isn't about being lucky enough to have worked in that environment and falling on your feet it's not about getting placements it's it's about going and, and seeking that experience and making it your own so it's not getting experience at the best premier league football club rugby club it's it's about going and finding something that's made you learn and I think along that process understanding about what it is that makes you appropriate for working in in that environment would be my one so go and get your hands dirty either with whether it's through uni and it's a placement like we had a university clinic didn't we with with either your weekend warriors or some young like county level athletes or whether it's going down to your local athletics club basketball club and just saying just look just kind of kind of get involved kind of watch the physio reaching out there i know a lot of our guests have given that one but it's often listed as a requirement for a job um so for me that would be that would be the main one is going and getting that experience but making sure it's relevant to you and it's not just something that you can put on a cv make it make it something that's applicable yeah I, 
I think yeah, crack crack cracking answer. And you know, for for this sort of Q and A pods, it would have been very easy for us to uh, model some textbook answers, script the session before, and come out and reel uh, uh, the answers off like robots. Mm-hmm. Uh, sound really professional, but. I don't think uh, we were chatting about honesty and openness from the Lewis Kinsella pod. And I don't think you'd get that same openness and honesty if we were to have scripted these answers beforehand. So yeah. thinking them on the spot and uh, feeling them back as, as we are doing, hopefully is more useful and is, is more applicable, albeit a little bit ambiguous at, at, at times, uh, will help our listeners to, to sort of take that leap. Yeah, so we yeah we get these questions obviously when we put the the feeders out on social media and they come in and then sort of try and pocket it for a few days and then and then especially you I get to read them a little bit beforehand but then properly launch them at you without any any forewarning so good work good work we'll move quickly on to the second one which like I said is is slightly related to this it's do I need to work in amateur sport before um, elite sports or can I volunteer first so can, can, can that volunteering be at an elite sports club as well? They ask. Um, for me, I'll just I'll just jump in with a short answer and give you a little bit of time to go around it. Do I need to work in amateur sport before elite sport? No. Can I volunteer at an elite sports club first and get into sport that way? Yes, absolutely. Um, they're the flat answers. The way of answering around it. Um, if you've got anything anything for us, Matt, to give a bit more info on it, um, I've got a few opinions waiting on the side as well. Yeah. So like, like I said, it. it depends why why you're doing it um, if you're doing it to think it's uh, it looks better to sort of uh, go straight in at elite level um, volunteering and maybe having a, a, a role where you have less involvement it's, it's not going to look better it's, yeah. it's not necessarily a bad thing because you still may be able to take a, a lot from that uh, but as Liam was sort of chatting about in uh, the sort of answer to the first question, it's not about what, where, how you get these experiences. It's about how you can show what you take from it, um, how you can demonstrate what you've learned from it. And if you can sort of pull pull that information across and make it clear for people to see, that's, that's what will put you in a better position. So it may be the case and it may be the perception that if you're working at an amateur level, you may be able to have sort of uh, higher levels of involvement. You may be able to be more independent. You may be able to take more leading roles at an earlier stage. And that may not be an option if you uh, uh, jump straight in and volunteer at a league level. Yeah. Uh, but th- th- there is no right and wrong. I I jumped, uh, my, my first role was with West Ham as, as a part-time therapist and again the, the involvement was fairly minimal to start with um, but if you wanted to expose yourself uh, to the environment uh, and, and take more from it that was available mm. um, it, it wasn't really through uh, specifically seeking out that opportunity it was just the way the cards fell at the time so I think if, if you're going into it because you think it looks better on your CV to go in at elite level, that's not the right reason to do it. And you, you probably will get found out sooner rather than later. Um, but it's certainly not the wrong thing to do. Um, and there, there are positives to take from it if you look at it in the right way. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely echo that. I think 
I went and did my fair share at, at amateur level and like I say you'd be able to get your get your hands a lot more a lot more dirty but at the same time I did a placement at um, Gillingham Football Club which is where then my first time role fell and often it works like that and we've had previous people talk about I Radham Meekins it's, it's who you know and what you know or whether we twisted that back around with what John Goodwin's words were well actually it's who knows you so I was lucky enough that I did a placement year went away did my master's and come back there was a job going I was able to apply for it and was obviously lucky enough but there was no doubt that because of my previous placement there they knew who I was obviously helped a lot so there's two sides to that the, the experience of working in amateur sport alongside having that placement where it was purely observational was probably enough to get me that job when maybe just the observational placement there wasn't because I then hadn't gone away and got any actual experience it was just watching whereas um working around it and doing both sides of the coin probably helped a lot more than just the just the one side of it so I think there's there's aspects in both ways everyone's path's different but again just to summarize absolutely do you need to work in amateur sport first no not at all has great benefits can I volunteer at an elite sports club yes it's essentially what I did and then ended up getting a job there amongst other things so both equally important if it's the way that your journey is going to go and, and how you move into it like you've said Matt I think that's that's a good summary. Good question as well. So that's from just physio underscore underscore on Instagram. So thank you for thank you for that question. The third and final one, moving swiftly on. And this is this is an interesting one. And I've been trying to think of one. I have thought about this one more because I can't really think of an answer, but I don't know if you will have one. It's from the nerdy physio who little sort of shameless shout out um wrote a blog for us on our website recently. Um Go and check it out if you can. It's it's really good. It's on sort of the myths around around core stability, and we'll we'll get onto another myth after this that I want to talk about. But it's the question is, what do you guys disagree on? So we we definitely agree on a lot. That's how most of the podcasts go. It's quite a non-confrontational one. Um, do we disagree on anything? Yeah. Well, yeah. Where where do you start? I mean, <laughs> it's it's really easy to sort of play the harmonious role and sort of come across as as you say that we we agree on everything and mm. uh, sort of force our opinions to meet where where sometimes they may not. And off the top of my head, there's nothing blatantly obvious that we are sort of polar opposites on. But there's no. probably a few things that we have differences of opinions on, yeah. um, which is again not not major but sort of learning from it and not I don't think either of us are sort of narrow-minded enough to uh, not listen to others opinions and 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 take on board and make differences practice so it could could be things like uh, the the thresholds for uh, giving someone an injection yeah. it could be something like uh, durations uh, before someone can return to play after surgery or after a certain type of injury again not thinking of specifics but yeah. uh, difference in opinion on that it could be difference in opinion for sort of thresholds for uh, imaging based on the sort of elite sporting population and the recreational sporting population but again, not specifics, and these would be sort of minor differences in opinions. Yeah. Um, I know we disagree on the football team we support. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah. that's a whole other podcast, uh, so I won't, won't get stuck into that today. But um, I'll take the option I normally take uh, in these circumstances before I waffle on too much and uh, bat it back over to you. Yeah, and ironically, I would 
agree with what you've said there, which is not the <laughs> aim, <laughs> aim of the question. But the the ones you outline, the things like um, returns play times and and sort of thresholds for sending for imaging, are probably things that we obviously we went to both universities together. We've had a, a very common sort of education up to the point, and then we've gone separate ways into career into our career paths, albeit similar in terms of we both worked in sport. Obviously, I haven't worked in a private setting away from sport, and and that's your main role and they lead to the different things. So our, our opinions will obviously be different on that. But like you say, it's it's almost okay for that to be a thing because you're drawing on each other's experiences that you haven't been able to get and it's useful to have that working environment. But generally from our our sort of teachings and upbringing in physio, if you want to call it that, so it seems a little bit cringy, but we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be too far apart and we probably do this sort of thing because we do get along, but it's then realizing what our strengths are. So yeah, I think you'd be right as a physio to definitely not be like, oh, this is what I think the return to playtime is. Oh, I completely agree. That's the same for everyone I see because I don't think that's how the profession works and it shouldn't work like that. But you should be able to critically uh, critically appraise that, that process and each other's each other's thoughts. But like you say, I don't think anything really polar stands out other than supporting supporting different football teams. It's probably the main one. Yeah. One uh, one big factor in in our background is is we're going to link it to one of our guests coming forward um and it was probably one of our most influential lecturers at the university of essex on their msc program and that was adrian mallows we both had the, the privilege of being taught our msk modules and then obviously throughout the degree by him um i think he was very honest and open in where physiotherapy is going at, uh, going as a profession and how to critique things so i think we are we are very lucky to have been been taught by him and uh, and a few other good lecturers there as well so you can't just name one but we're going to get Adrian on the podcast to talk about that kind of thing going forward which we're really looking forward to getting him back on and having a catch up we've caught up quite a lot after university with him but again um be good to actually get him on and throw some questions at him but yeah I think I think uh you're looking forward to that one as much as me aren't you Matt? Yeah, it, sh- it should be a really really good one and I say uh g- genuine genuine kind of speak genuine influence on um uh, our careers and i think sort of one highlight for me and the sort of way he uh he sort of uh, approached this was we were due to have a uh, guest speaker on the sacroiliac joints yeah and um, every time. yeah sort of very sort of subtly um dropped a little uh, a little paper for us uh, on moodle sort of signposted us to it didn't um, uh, sort of attack the guest lecturer, didn't uh, approach this in a negative way uh, and didn't make us uh, or or didn't make us bandwagon for or against a certain movement. But the sort of paper let us have a broad overview, make our own decision, um, understand the evidence base before uh, these uh, guest speakers came in and... um, yeah, I, I think it's it's things like that again, not wanting to uh, talk down anyone or, or, or equivalent that was was very useful, um, and it was yeah. uh, sort of frequent. He gave those opportunities. Uh, I think he did uh, from memory his his masters in manual therapy, but again, didn't uh, sort of shove manual therapy down our throats. Yeah. Uh, he gave us access to it. He spoke us through it. But if anything. 
he was the opposite of what you'd expect uh, yeah. from, from coming from that background. And again, sort of guides how you approach placements when perhaps some of your educators were trying to uh, shove it down your mouth for want of better words. So I think the SIJ example was was one that really stood out to me. And um, yeah, yeah I always reflect back on that as a, a sort of turning point in the way that I approach learning and the way that I approach different things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was almost, almost was showing you a way of disagreeing, which if we link it back to that question is probably why there's not a lot because I think we're quite open and happy to talk about a lot of things and we'll have our, our subtle disagreements, but as a general big thing, I think the understanding and appreciation of our our education and previous and our current working experience probably leads us to, to tread mostly the same the same path, same thoughts, but in a sense that we can critically think about those and we're really lucky to have been been in that position. So yeah, we're looking forward to to getting him on next time. But we'll um, we won't say too much more and otherwise we'll have a have a whole whole episode that's already been uh, been spoke about. Yeah. Um I'll put an interesting one too. So that's the that's the sort of three questions we chose. We won't go on for too much longer. We won't um bore too many people without a guest, but it's it's probably a big one to talk about from the television the other night as a physio going going popular for a change. Um, don't know if you saw it on, a, I think it was in the GP surgery or something along those lines on Channel 5. I hadn't watched it. I've only seen it on social media. But essentially, they're talking about lower back pain, I think. Um, I hope they're talking about lower back pain. Anyways, it's completely irrelevant. But basically, there was a consultant physio, which again is a, is probably a debatable term um depending on what you want to take from that as to the level of that physio but they essentially put a jam donut in between two vertebrae and described either slipping a disc or bulging a disc and obviously I think it took a lot of people by surprise on Twitter and, and probably takes a lot of people listening to this a surprise because I, I think I tweeted saying it's just shocking how in your own circles and the people you sort of surround yourselves with you don't think that stuff happens anymore and you get put yourself in such a bubble and then you step outside that bubble and on national television, you're seeing that, which you think is, is like public enemy. Number one of the physio world is we know that that is not how you describe a disc, but I don't know did, whether you saw it, Matt, whether you saw any outrage on it, what your thoughts are on that, seeing a yeah, jam I mean, donut being used as a disc on national television. First of all, what, what a waste of a jam donut. I mean, I could be given a few better ways than, than that. That's going to be inedible after that. But um, yeah, I, I, to be fair, I saw it in the rounds on Twitter and I sort of disregarded it at first because you know, it's been around for how many years, 10, mm-hmm. 20 years. As you say, the sort of public enemy, I think we, we know better by now and it's almost sort of the a running joke in physio that sort of does the rounds every now and then that's that's what I thought it was but um chatted to someone recently and yeah it sort of highlighted um where it actually came up on national television and again you know it, it comes down to you know, back to that pelvic health uh the, the SIJ thing this is not an attack at anyone but yeah. it's, it's sort of how how is best to sort of highlight these things is it uh you know, a, a massive campaign on social media uh, where this person, if they're on, may get flooded with uh, various levels of, of messages and questions and queries. Do you let it go unchecked? 
is that the right thing to do? I, I mm. don't think letting it go unchecked is the right thing to do. Right. Again, are they doing it as an anecdote of itself and have they sort of fallen so far off the track that they're now, it's, there's so many ways of looking at it. And I say, I, I absolutely love analogies. I love analogies. I love using visualization. I love using tools that are very similar to that. Yeah. Um, but hopefully not as harmful and as sort of non-evidence based as as that is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. What, what do you think the best way to sort of sort of hi- highlight something? That how how do we go about sort of yeah yeah it's, bringing it to the attention? It's difficult, isn't it? Because like I agree, in a sense, you can't leave it left alone. You can't not call that out. It is finding the way of doing it. Is it? like like you say you never we're we're big advocates of being kind i think it's part of the physiotherapy profession it's part of doing the job that we do but i i almost need him to be cruel sometimes to be kind and things like that not saying you need to be nasty to the person if you found the person it was saying things like like you see people calling them whatever any names to do it i don't think like that's not appropriate but i think it is appropriate to give an opinion I don't even think it's necessarily appropriate to call like be calling up that person or going individually. I think it just you almost need to fight fire with fire in terms of okay, you've had a national television slot there, you've done that out. Let's actually educate why that's wrong. How can we get it out there? And I know there's good guys like the guys at MSK Reform that probably have ways of going about that and they've had it raised to their attention. I think that's probably the best way to do it. But sometimes you I think you have got to be cruel to be to be kind and you've got to think about the wide reach of it and if it means calling one person out and making them feel uncomfortable without being rude it might be needed to it goes back to the goes back to the lesson from from Adrian that you know there's ways of going about it there's ways to challenge things um people might not be comfortable with that people with that opinion probably still aren't comfortable uncomfortable they probably haven't challenged their own opinion on that so it's yeah it's how do you do it and there's no no easy answer to it there's definitely some wrong answers there's not shouting at people and screaming but yeah the difficulty is like it's the the circles you work in as well let's say to i think it's you exactly say using it as an opportunity to bring the sort of correct education Mm. and um saying okay yeah that that's how it would but how about this but um, you sort of mentioned a few sort of different big players in the msk and the physio world the circles that they and we sort of typically work in will reach other similarly minded physios yeah. uh, therapists healthcare professionals etc and, and won't really reach the wider public no. in terms of what sells on tv yeah. a jam donut in the middle that's yeah people that people be lapping that up that yeah. it's a you know, fantastic television oh, and it, jam it goes, oh. yeah but back to the sort of like old anecdote of yeah. any physio advert ever parallel bars physio hand on the back <laughs> smiley face and a, a daz white t-shirt on and that this it sort of starts to build the picture of, of what physio is and, and, and how it sells and it's yeah you're never going to get a slot like that uh, that's going to have as much a reach to no. say look actually this is the way that your lumbar spine works and this is yeah. the true function of a disc and actually because it's boring it's it's boring and that's that's the that's the, that's the challenge is... so it obviously it can't go unchecked but the damage is done <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that's the problem and is is the person at that stage in their career 
really going to change their practice. You'd like to think so, but yeah. the cynic in me suggests that perhaps not in in all the cases. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I think I think if you if you got to that point and you're still at that point, we talk about needing challenging people, and making it uncomfortable. They they generally are, and I'm tiring people with a brush, and it's probably wrong, but you're going down the same avenue they generally are the ones that don't like to be challenged and it's hard to challenge and and how we find ways to do that is again another podcast to itself but it's it's very very difficult um if, uh, if anyone's got any answers for it then um step forward make yourself known because uh there's a little error that needs reversing that appeared on national television the other night so so yeah craziness i think we'll I think we'll um, we'll leave that as our final talking point. Give a few people a few thoughts if we can get uh, get anyone onto that. I'm sure Adrian will have a have an opinion on our next episode. He probably has a better option than us. So we'll we'll fire. We might fire something along those lines at him as well as lots of other things to talk about. But we'll look forward to that one, Matt. I think instead of looking back too far. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a, it's a slip it's a slippery slide, fans. Yeah, it could we could go on for ages. But um, yeah, some great great questions, some great talking points, and. Um, excited to uh to move forward to the next few pods we, we've got lined up um i think we'll be careful around how we sort of uh wrap up our, our episode of looking forward to the the national picture and uh yeah. just by a way of not jinxing it or, or, yeah. or giving giving too much hope but um it's been good it's been interesting and yeah. um loving all the engagement um it's been really good to see the support really good to see the the feedback as i say so many outlets it comes through um and uh it makes it all the more enjoyable to, to sort of go through these sessions uh have these discussions and uh and and build this for you yeah over yeah i've had over 2500 individual listeners come through so we have to say thank you to to each and everyone that's, that's come and give us a listen it's it's an unbelievable amount of uh sort of coverage that we've got and all our little all the information on the countries around the world that this is reached is is very even more surprising but yeah again just to echo what you said just to say thank you and yeah keep engaging keep them coming forward obviously we couldn't get loads of questions out there but keep them coming the dms are open instagram and twitter on thrive pes and then the website as well where we've got all of our great blogs and you can find the rest of the podcast as well so until the next episode, Matt, thank you very much and we'll we'll catch you guys later. Cheers, Dave. Catch you later.